FOLA Capital helps small businesses raise capital using one of the several programs authorized under the 2012 JOBS Act. They are especially passionate about helping to raise capital for veteran-owned, women, and minority-owned small businesses across the country. Be sure and check them out at folacapital.com. Well, we are here today with Jan Hendricks or Lippi. That is right. Yeah, <laughs> I got it right, brother. Yeah, all in one fell swoop too. I was nervous about that. <laughs> so now you got to add my middle name to it. So now it's that was easy when you had, but that one's easy. It's Christian, so you can easily roll that one. Okay, Christian. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I can. I think I could manage that one. Oh, let's hear Avery do it now. Jan Hendricks or Lippy? You forgot Christian. Well, I don't know which part. Is the beginning of another name. <laughs> That's we, a fair point. We didn't. It's not clear. It's you can't all, see the hyphens when they're spoken, right? I've never there heard any like first or last. So I'm assuming Jan Hendrik, Christians, or Lippy. Is that accurate? That is correct. Okay, sweet. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Jan Hendrik is hyphenated. You mentioned that. So okay. yeah. So culturally and astute. What do you uh, What do you <laughs> typically go by, Jan? Jan, for your only your closest friends, right? Or for everybody, for every, actually for everyone, yeah. Everybody. Just, okay. If it's very very informal, I'll like you know when you take your order at McDonald's or Wendy's, they can have a name. I just say J. J. Okay. Yeah, spell J and pronounce like Y. It's really Jan Hent, right? When I, yeah, I don't. Dude, I I don't even use my name, and my name is one <laughs> syllable as well. My name's Chase, and they can't get that right. So, you throw the Y in it, though. I, mean, that's I don't even totally tell them how to spell it, and they still don't that. get it right. So I, I tell them my name's Chris. My middle name's Christopher, so it's it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's not a complete lie. No, yeah. They can get that right, but if I say Chase, they might write Casey. They might write Chance. They might write Chasey. They'll never get it right, yeah. and it's only one <laughs> syllable. I don't know how – and it's a common word. People use it all the time, so yeah. I don't know how they screw it I mean, it's it a bank. Yeah. It's not with a Y. Yeah, exactly. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Starbucks, um, but you're here today as our as our guest uh, for this episode, and you have recently retired. Correct? That's correct. How recently? Uh, as of last summer. Last summer. So about a year and a half. Year and a half right into now. retirement, yep. and and how's military? Let's be clear. It's military retirement, not retirement retirement. Not full retirement. Yes. Military retirement. Exactly. There is a difference. Yes. Most people do not retire from the military and just sail off into the sunset, never to be seen again. Most of them go back to work in some capacity, right? Correct, yes. Mm -hmm. And you have? Yes. Doing? So right now, I just started my own business uh, as a financial coach, uh, Money Coach Z. So, And that's easy to find on the web, uh, moneycoachz.com. And it's it's kind of an interesting space. Uh, You don't see a lot of financial coaches. Uh, A lot of folks are more familiar with like a life coach or a health coach, a leadership coach, kind of executive coaching, right? Um, But financial coaching is a little newer. Uh, Most folks familiar when you say, oh, financial planner, financial advisor, right, which is is different. And so I got into coaching because I felt that I could help folks more have a larger span of influence on helping folks out. And so there's a there's a difference between what you're doing with Money Coach Z and what a financial planner is. Correct. So t- a typical, we'll, we'll just go in general, like a financial planner, financial advisor, they're going to, I'm not saying it's bad, but they're they're there to either generally sell you type some type of insurance products or some type of investments, or they get paid by assets under management where – They've got you, – you're basically giving them your money to invest, and they're investing it, and so there's a certain percentage they would get off that. So they directly uh, take and influence your money, your investments. Okay. okay. A lot of folks aren't ready to go to see a financial advisor. A lot of folks are kind of stuck just trying to get out of debt, right? I mean, uh, some folks may they, – they have some debt. They got a little bit invested for retirement maybe. They've got a 401K at work, but they really don't know much beyond that, you know, $300 a month comes out and goes into that, and it's somewhere in the stratosphere, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully doing something for them, right? And they, and they may have some saved. They may little, none. That whole gamut. And so a lot of those folks, they're not ready to talk to a financial advisor because they don't have a lot of money per se, right? Or a lot of folks are afraid 
because they're afraid to get taken advantage of. Um, I've seen this in the, in the military a lot. There are some companies that, you know, the, these advisors will, you know, reach out and then talk, oh, this, and a lot of the terminology can get over people's heads, especially when you don't know a lot of the, the you know, specifics of, of finance, especially you get into insurance, what types of insurance there mm-hmm. are and what you need, right? And the people feel like, oh, my gosh, he's here. He's trying to sell me something. Do I need that? I don't know what this universal whole life insurance policy really is. Well, man, I've got SGLI here. I'm a Marine. I've got SGLI it's insurance, but do I need more different? I don't know, right? And you always feel, and I've talked to over the years a number of Marines uh, that have kind of felt that way. And so that, that, that kind of turns people off, right, to that. Um, and so, I mean, there's great, you know, advisors, planners out there, but there's some that, you know, are, you know, a lot of them commission-based. And you know how in commission, right, if I can sell this product, whether, you know, is that really right for the person? Then we get into a fiduciary duty and what type of broker, investment advisor, or financial advisor, the different categories and, and their responsibility of to the client and all that. Um, so I didn't want to get involved in that. Initially, I thought, you know, I would, you know, I'd make a good financial advisor. I really like finance. I, I, my, my degrees, undergrad and MBA are all focused on finance, but Really, for me, it was when I was a young Marine. Actually, I was a young corporal almost, oh gosh, <laughs> almost 30 years ago that there was this financial seminar. And actually, I remember I was at, um, actually, right up the road, I was stationed at New River. And it was up in Greenville. And I even forget, I forget the guy, I, but the, the, the key term, and some folks will get this, is by term, invest the difference. So some of you guys may be familiar with that mm-hmm. in a compatent right and understand. And it just, in layman's term, right, they're talking about in life insurance, right? Mm-hmm. Buy term life insurance, much cheaper than any type of universal whole life product, and then take the, the money you're saving by buying a term policy and investing that separately into some good mutual fund. Very in general there, because a lot of folks will tell you, you know, insurance products shouldn't be an investment vehicle also, right? Keep your insurance separate. Um, you can target it. You can do better. Anyway, on a nutshell. Anyway, that's where I really kind of got hooked on, on financial planning and and it just it became a hobby of mine. Hmm. Um, so literally over the years, my career in the Marine Corps, I, I just always on the side, I, w- I would, you know, immerse myself into, you know, financial journals, uh, different magazines, books, and, and just learn, self-educate on the personal finance side because personal finance is, is a lot different than corporate finance. Um, so, you know, I, I did that. I, I would informally for friends and family help them out and kind of, you know, do some you know, ad hoc on the side advice and this and that. And then as I got toward the end of my Marine Corps career, I'm like, okay, what am I going to transition to want to do? I, I did initially look at being a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, it's great. Yeah, I can go and do this. I've, I've got the background, it, you know. But then for me, the, the, the hard part to get over is, like I mentioned earlier, is the selling of it, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, no matter what, I'm kind of selling something to you. And I don't want to, push, and you know, I hate to say bad, push product, and a, and a lot of times people look at it that way, and I'm not trying to, you know, put anything on the industry, I mean, there's there's a need for that, um, but just me personally, I, w- I want to do it where I, I can help you, and you know, Chase, that I'm here, and my services, I'm totally looking out for you, there is no, well, wait a minute, he really recommended the right product, what is he making off this, what is he doing, so... So with that, and I had talked to a couple firms and had, had looked going into that and just decided no, I didn't want to do that. So in that, and I, I, like I said, I retired from the Marine Corps last summer, just over 30 years active duty. Wow, that's a long time. <sighs> Thanks. Make me feel a little. Um, you know, I was a Mustanger. I was a staff sergeant for a guy how old Avery is, I think, right, Avery? <laughs> I'm older than that. 32, maybe? <laughs> He's in his 30s. I'm, 34 and a half. <laughs> and a half. Almost mid 30. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no. It's, it's been great. I, I've, I've loved the opportunities in the Marine Corps. I've done a couple different MOS. Like I said, I was prior enlisted. I was a combat engineer first. A sergeant at a lap moved over to the computer field in the 90s. You know, it was mid-90s. And, you know, it was a hot field. And kind of got in that. And, and even that, you can see the two different worlds of the Marine Corps going from, like, ground combat arms as a combat engineer to a computer field, like your leadership opportunities. I was a platoon sergeant as a sergeant. You know, mm-hmm. Even a 
platoon commander for a while in those roles in operation used to go into a staff job where you, it's just you, you know, doing technical stuff. As a right. Guy, right. Mm-hmm. Totally. Did. Anywhere. And then went on a commissioning program and finished my bachelor's degree and, and, and you know, promoted staff starting in between there and, and then, you know, went there and um, kind of a uh, little funny story at the basic school, TBS. So, you know, all, all numerous officers after OCS go TBS. So all, all the guys that are flight contracts going to be aviators. They really don't care. Like, I'm going to be an aviator anywhere. I'm not going to kill myself out here. But a lot of the other guys, you know, you want to do well at TBS, just like obviously any school in the Marine Corps, right, to, to, to get a good standing. And at the time when I went through at TBS, the top 10 lieutenants out of the company, and companies were 200 to 250 lieutenants, um, generally like six platoons, uh, the top 10 lieutenants kind of picked their MOS, and they literally went right down, number one guy, and – as long as the MOS was available, that class got here's all the MOSs, and and so it's kind of funny because the number I was number two in my TBS company, and number one guy was also in my not only my platoon but my squad, and and he was not prior, but he was a little bit older, um, not a 22 year old out of college lieutenant. He'd worked was a teacher, I think a wrestling coach a little bit, and and he's married, had some kids, but this guy would go home on the weekends and study, you know, FM, 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 DPs. I mean, he was dedicated, like, like your moto. <laughs> Not your messing guy. Around. And he's like, you know, you want to be, I'm going to be a grunt, you know, an infantry officer. I'm like, yeah, it's all you brother. You, yeah. <laughs> so it's <laughs> funny. Been there, done that. <laughs> when my staff platoon commander came back after MOS selections, he, uh, he said, Hey, hey uh, I got to tell you this one. And it, it's your staff platoon commander's a captain, you know, at TBS. So you have all lieutenants there, all second lieutenants. And he goes, so yeah, we went and it's it, when they do a selection, you have the the company commander, or the company XO, and then all the staff platoon commanders, and they go through. And he goes, number one, he goes, yeah, infantry. Number two, financial management officer. He said, he said all of them looked around, and I won't say the ex- expletives that were said, like <laughs> what the you know, <laughs> who is that? Why did he? <laughs> no one's ever requested that. <laughs> it was it's funny. You kind of get like you know at that point I'd been in over ten years, right? I read done. I'm like. Focused a little bit on family. I said, hey, the Marine Corps needs hard-charging, motivated financial managers just as much as infantry officers and logos and, and you know, cannon cockers and trackers and, you know, yeah. everything else. So, um, uh, yeah, so that's – so I, I chose – again, I had the background in, in my degree at that time, undergrad, was business management finance and, and that interest in personal finance kind of tying it back together here. And that's so, you know, I, I chose that in the Marine Corps for good or bad and, and some reasons. And, and it would take the opportunity throughout my career to, to get out and do kind of B-billets and, and even deployments that were non-financial management. Deploying is, is uh, like a, a platoon commander with the ground task force Iraq. Uh, the most recent was as an SP MAGTAF uh, XO uh, for Crisis Response Africa Force over in, in Europe, Africa. So... Great opportunities uh, that my leadership had, had allowed me to do to kind of really to do the Marine things because that's what I really enjoyed and kind of getting back at doing 30 years is so many opportunities in the Marine Corps, so many cool things to do, neat things, right? And and so I kind of doing those things and jumping into a B billet, right? And I, I got thrown into a B billet recruiting command up at the headquarters at Quantico doing national advertising for the Marine Corps. So for three years, I was a guy putting the Marine commercials on TV, working with the ad agency, right, doing, you know, on ba- major national event partnerships with ESPN <laughs> and the NFL oh, and creating new commercials. Well, I mean. which, what's some of the ones that you did? <laughs> oh, you're going to laugh. We might, we might be able this to offer important. some constructive criticism. Know. Okay, no, we actually, so th- this was a, a little bit of a disheartening for me because actually I left, started this one, then I actually, time to go, and actually – actually turned down selection to go to the Expedition Warfare School, which is our PME for captains, to jump on a deployment, putting the task force together out of Quantico. We literally did an Ever Marines, a rifleman unit, put together, trained, and did a mission in Iraq. But, but when I left, and I didn't get to do the executions, all the planning and the initial, but so this was like 2006, 2007. So it was, you guys seeing the, the commercial that was just after that with all the 8th and I Marines across the U.S., the drill team, and they're doing mm-hmm. their – and you, they show – you go across the country in different iconic like scenes. Like they're on a beach. And they end almost, at, yeah. you know, the Golden Gate Bridge. You see the Golden Gate Bridge in the background. They end with that, and you kind of see that. So that was the one that we we kind of went through. I went through with the ad agency team, developed that, 
And then when I left, the guy came in behind me, got to actually do the filming and execution. They literally, in the big bus, drove across the country with 8th and I, with the town drill platoon, filmed those, and then they did events at NFL games along wherever they were at, too. And it kind of did a cross-country. Mm-hmm. He did all That's that. Cool. He got to go execute, right? Do those. Uh, people always say when I say this, oh, my God, you, you didn't do anything with a lava monster, did you? One that's That goes back. A lot of folks will remember. That's, the, that's a 90s yeah. one. So did you do the one where he was climbing the cliff? Oh, no, that was actually out. Yeah, that one. <laughs> a lot of folks didn't like that one. That was out when I got there. That was the current one. Um, but here's a little tidbit you guys probably don't don't know. Not what the Reaper's like in boot camp at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all the actors. You see all the folks in those Marine commercials are actual Marines. They're not actors. That's awesome. So, like, the guy climbing, that was a young corporal. You see him in his blues at the end, right? Mm-hmm. The lava monster was actually a captain, Marine captain. <laughs> the lava the monster was? Or the, the <laughs> Marine that killed the lava monster? The Marine that killed the lava monster. So the lava monster, the lava no monster I think, was some field-grade officer that was just Probably a major crusty. This is part major. of a special yeah. program we yeah. don't talk about. We don't talk about yeah, that. Yeah, we don't talk about this field-grade. <laughs> those guys, sometimes I don't know. But anyway, so, yeah. So anyway, kind of. Throwing out, talking about, I think we diverted a little bit to my Marine Corps career and kind of that. But that's all these different opportunities, new challenges. That, that's what I like. I want something new, different, right? So, so, so what's the day-to-day of a, a Marine Corps finance officer like? Are you are you doing like, uh, are you a contract officer? What, so so financial management. What are, you, what are you doing? So unrestricted, there's kind of two sides. So the enlisted and warrant officer side, there's two separate MOS. So You've got the dispersing side, which you're old school, familiar with who paid the travel claims prior to DTS, right? Who handled the military pay accounts when there's a problem behind the scenes? You have dispersing officers. So that's one side. There, there's not more, uh, there's not a lot of opportunities. That's more heavy in the enlisted Marines and the warrant officers in there. Um, I had the opportunity as a lieutenant to, to be a dispersing finance officer. Actually, it was for uh, Marine Corps Air Station Cherry Point back in the beginning of the 2000s. Um, and since then, mid 2000s there's a big consolidation of dispersing finance offices. So where there was one at New River, there was the main disperse, MEF dispersing at Lejeune, and then there was a separate finance office for you know the installation side, Marine Corps Base. Cherry Point had one. Beaufort, South Carolina, the air station had one. Those all got consolidated. Now there's only one. It's the big MEF dispersing office at Lejeune. There's no more finance office at Cherry Point, Beaufort. Um, New River had its own, too. That, those are all been consolidated. There was a push there, so less opportunities uh, on the unrestricted officer side. But the main one is doing budget officer comptroller. So that's your, your eight, your G8s. Mm-hmm. So if you've uh, ever dealt with those folks. Um, your fiscal officer, if it's a smaller, if it's a... Uh, an 06 or below command, you would have, if they've got, depending on what type of unit, would have a fiscal officer uh, there, wouldn't be obviously a G8. Um, but you're overseeing the entire budget for that unit, right? So whatever the operating, you know, your typical O&M, I don't want to get into all the appropriations and the mind-numbing government aspects of that, but uh, you oversee that for the commander and ensure that it's all tracked and executed properly. So there's, you know, Marines that do a lot of the accounting side on that in the systems uh, to do that. And there's a lot of the officer, you're, a lot of the budgeting, ensuring, like, you know, when, when, you know, you're doing exercises, operations, that there's money available and proper. And I know with your background in MARSOC, you've got lots of different funding streams beyond just regular Marine Corps and There's a lot of, called Black Ops, obviously, funding coming from SOCOM, even CIA. So there would be other things to account for and to make sure how can that, and with the government, it's very different from the private sector because the government, because it's appropriation and it's determined by Congress on what you can spend and how much, there's certain rules to that. So typically Marines will hear about O&M, operation and maintenance funding, and that's generally the operating funds that an operational unit, the MEF and below, will have. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's uh, military construction is a whole separate appropriation, separate pot and there's, there's a couple different ones. There's research, development, uh, test and evaluation funding, which mostly is at, at Marine Corps Systems Command, right, as the major new programs come out, a new EFV, AAAV, when that pro- right, as that program evolves, money like that. So Congress will appoint, uh, you know, will specifically appropriate money for those programs that can only be used for that. Mm-hmm. So unlike a private company where, hey, you, you know, you're getting your revenue streams in and, 
there's no restrictions on how you can spend, right? Mm-hmm. It, you decide. It's your, it's your money, right? It's all where the government, it's specific use. And so that, that with the laws and the way that Congress uses that to control the executive branch, mm-hmm. Um, hence the why there's there's always a problem with operational maintenance funding because it's only good for one year, and that's the whole rigmarole of every year, right? Trying to get the National Defense Authorization Act and then the Appropriation Act passed to get the money. Why do you hear things called continuing resolutions, right? Or even a government shutdown it seems to happen every year. Causes all kinds of problems in planning and executing operational funding. Uh, that's that's a, a congressional control mechanism. So aside from I know your your mind. You're just like from what is he talking about? That is so boring. How yeah, I mean, do I, I shut I just, down like yeah. I figured, I figured you would. Out. I figured it. <laughs> no, so so aside from when you were a lance corporal, you developed a, an interest in uh, you know financial management and and money and how to use it and use it to your benefit. Um, and that's been a hobby throughout your life. You had yeah. how many years as a professional finance officer in the Marine Corps? You had. 20 years? Just over 20. 20 yeah. years doing that as, yep. as a profession. And now you're out, you're retired, and you're doing this uh, as a business uh, for yourself. Who are your, your your target customers? Are they businesses? Are they government organizations? Are they individuals? No, it's actually individuals and families, really. And so okay. kind of going back to talking about the financial advisor role and planner and, and talking about like you know, most folks aren't ready to talk to them yet because a lot of folks are just in debt and they're just trying to figure out like how to get out of debt and how to even begin to start saving for getting an emergency phone, let alone saving for retirement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, what does that entail? And a lot of folks just don't know. So it's a huge target because literally it's anywhere from the, the young 22-year-old brand new couple, married couple. I mean, you could be military, not military. There's no, there's no differentiation there mm-hmm. on like, okay, we're starting out, you know, we're, well, we got a car loan, we got some maybe student loan debt, or we're trying to save for retirement, or we're a military couple and I want to stay for retirement. So how's my pension going to look? All these things and trying to figure this out because what it comes back to is most of us weren't taught anything about personal finance in school anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and like I reference back to my undergrad and MBA, it's all finance related, but the, but those are all focused corporate finance. That, that's so different from personal right. finance. That's really not going to to help. So even that. So there's very little. Some some schools have little curricula for that. There's some undergraduate programs at some universities that actually talk, you know, target doing you know financial planning as a degree. But there's very few. Uh, but as far as just in general, a student, whether you're in high school or in college. Being put that as like finance 101 is a requirement, just like you have to do your basic math, your basic English, right? Your basic psych or whatever, if you're getting a general degree, those things. It's just not there. Um, and even class like economics 101 is, is, is somewhat helpful, but it really talks more about business economics, right? And how businesses and governments work together in, in the economy, not, you know, talking about personal finances in right. your house. So, so I've got a huge to where I, I could be that young couple. It could be in, the, in some couple in their 40s, and they're, they're farther along, right? Maybe they have more debt now, but they have some more save for retirement or whatever. Just trying to structure that, figure out, like, how to get a plan, how to, how to go forward with this. What am I doing this right or wrong? How much do I need more or less? How do I pay off the debt? What's the best way to do it? What am I, you know, what strategies? All the way to retired couples that are trying to figure out making it work, right? Mm-hmm. And now they've accumulated. Now retirement, and the intent is I've accumulated some wealth. Now I've got assets in retirement that I need to use to live off of, right? And Lots of strategies, different ways, understanding that's Social Security, right? Uh, what do I rate Social Security? What is my spouse rate? When can I take Social Security? Is there a difference in how much I get? All these things most people don't know mm-hmm. unless you go out there and, and you self-educate, really. So I found mm-hmm. this huge niche, this huge you know, gap there where, where I could help people. And so that's where it's, it's really not a target. It is, a, it is, and I tell folks, it's kind of funny, and, and I'll segue to almost when I'm talking to anybody, it's like almost everyone needs a financial coach, really, because most folks don't have enough know-how that they could talk and really kind of straighten some things out. Some folks know some more, some folks less, and but most folks could use that help and that understanding and learning about you know, the aspects of the types of insurance and what kind of insurance do I need, right, based mm-hmm. on my situation. Understanding saving versus investing, right? Under looking at, at mortgages and buying homes and 
what should I buy? Should I rent? What, what do I look at for here? Right? What type of retirement investing strategy should I do? Right? How, what's the best way to save slash invest mm-hmm. for retirement? So it's, it, there, there's so many people that need it, but here's, I'll say the challenge I'm having is for a business. And I don't know, we'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on this is, you know, when there's a known need, right? People go out and you identify, they're, they're going to have to have something that it's easier to get into the business, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so home inspections, right? Mm-hmm. You have to have a home inspection because no mortgage lender will let you get a buy a home, right? Unless you pay cash and you don't need a mortgage, you don't have to get, otherwise you have to get a home inspection, right? The, the lender wants to make sure that the house isn't, a, you know, you're paying for a house and if it needs stuff fixed, it's going to be fixed. They want to make sure that they're lending you money and you're going to be able to pay it, and the house is worth what it is, right? Same thing with an appraisal for the home, right? They're not going to uh, allow without an appraisal. So, oh, maybe I want to be a home inspector because there's there's work, right? So you're getting in there, and then there's the specifics of how that works. Do you have to get referrals mm-hmm. from, you know, it's kind of driven by real estate agents with referrals. But I've identified this as a financial coach. Earlier I mentioned this is kind of a newer space. So most people, it really comes down to, don't really know they need it. Because it's not a requirement. Think about it. Do you have to, anywhere says you have to go see a financial coach? I mean, you don't have to go see a financial advisor ever, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you know enough, or you're just winging a lot of people, wing it, don't even, or they know enough that they know this is how I'm saving investing my money. I know well, these types. I think I get your point because, I mean, I didn't, I didn't realize there was a difference between what you're doing and what, uh, you know, a financial advisor does until you came on the show today and explained it. Um, I just I made the assumption incorrectly that it was similar to what a financial advisor does or a financial planner, certified financial planner, whatever they're called, right? Um, where you're actually managing investments for people and recommending products. Uh, would this be, and forgive me for the analogy if, if it's not close, but would this be similar to things like what Dave Ramsey has, has done over the years? With, Boom, you hit it right on. Actually, I was going to bring Dave Ramsey into okay. this because actually that's where I – first uh, kind of got into this, uh, and actually this was this past year about the financial coaching space. Like I said, it's pretty mm-hmm. new. You know, he is big in this. A lot of folks have, have heard of Dave Ramsey, and mm-hmm. he's had for years something called <clears throat> Financial Peace University, which a lot of churches will run this. And it's just, it's a nine-week course. You meet once a week, and they've got, now it's, it's mostly videos and, and discuss, and it kind of goes through a lot of the basics of personal finance with those people. And, and and Dave really believes in that, and he is focused on trying to get people out of debt. It's very big on that, and he's got a personal story behind that. And he went bankrupt and said, I'm never going to, you know, be in debt again. And so he's, you know, he has an impressive story. Right. Definitely. So you've heard, right? So exactly. And so I kind of understood more about that, learned more about that, actually, beginning of this this previous year, beginning of 01 or 21. And uh, that's actually that I, I went, you know, to get coaching training. So actually – went with his program, uh, very impressed with the organization, then I went with his uh, financial master coach training to get, you know, my certificate in that. So um, I, I did that kind of on, on my own back uh, this past spring and wasn't sure how I was going to go forward with that and kind of wanted to. And I, I'd been working, if you will, a, you know, civilian sector job this past year. And then I, I kind of came to the point where I decided that, not okay, now I'm ready. I want to start my own business. kind of always want to do this. Mm-hmm. I'm in a great position being, you know, retired Marine. I'm in a fan- financial position. I can do that. You know, it's not like I need to roll straight into having a lot of income. Um, I've got a cushion. So that's that's where I moved um, back in beginning of October is said, okay, now I'm going to full-time start, start this up, start the business, you know, get clients and, and go from there. <coughs> My sister and her fiance have actually attended that training. They they speak really highly of it. It seems like it helped them quite a bit. No, that's awesome, and that's kind of so. What I do to give back is actually coordinate financial peace university classes for mm-hmm. a church up in Jacksonville, so Centerview yeah. Baptist Church yeah. up they in Jacksonville. Went, they went through their church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I've opened it up. Actually, I'm getting ready to start one here, 25 January, um, Tuesday nights, um, and so trying to get word out there. And I, I can take about 15 couples in our the classroom is about the biggest. And I, I started last fall, uh, the first one. Um, but, but yeah, trying to, and that's all, you know, I just, I coordinate, facilitate all that 
and then obviously my background helped those folks that are in it. And it's another way I can give back. I think it's it's very valuable. It's like going back to you're just not taught enough in in personal finance. It's like we're handicapping our young adults. Right. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a matter of are you interested enough to learn on your own or at, not? At what age, you know, being being the domain expert, at what age do you think it's appropriate to start with the you know, financial literacy training? Oh, gosh. I mean, you can start it as uh, preteens easy. I mean, you can I mean, a lot of this goes back to kind of what is, is you know, if you have kids, you know, married, you have kids doing it with when you're explaining allowance. Right. And how they get an allowance right? and what they do to get the allowance and then how they get the money. And you can. As simple as, I mean, you're talking at, at six to ten years old with the basics. What's your, what's your opinion on allowances? So, no, I think they're good. Uh, there should be, again, personal opinion, great for kids to have a base allowance of certain things they have to do. So certain chores, and they get allowance for it, right? So they, and now then there's extra, often there's opportunities to do other things, and they may be able to get extra money. But I, I just personally believe that they... There should be a base amount of an allowance to cover base chores, right? Because then they, the kids, you give them that money. And so I'll kind of leave one of the, the biggest takeaways in personal financial planning, if nothing else, is pay yourself first. And that means is as soon as you get that paycheck, right, automatically taken out and nowadays easy auto-drafted, auto mm-hmm. that there should be a, a portion for your retirement and savings. It depends where you're at, right? And if you're still trying to build an emergency fund, well, that should come out to build an emergency fund. Once you emergency fund, then you should be going investing for retirement, right? Something. Take that. That money should should not wait till. Okay, here's my paycheck. All right, I got to pay mortgage, I got car payment, or credit card bills, utility bill, right? And then, oh, at the end of the month, oh, gosh, I don't have any money left. I can't put any any savings or investments, right? And you, yeah, like, oh, and then you get in that rut, right? And you're always going to be that. Pay yourself first. So start with the kids. Right here's your allowance, and, and I, here's, here's what I do with my my kids. I've got two, a teen and a preteen. Preteen is pretty much a teen now, and she's uh, anyway. But um, is they get that allowance, and everything is is automated. But I take a portion of their allowance and goes into their savings account automatically. So they're 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 automatically transferred their money for their allowance every month, and uh, the majority, about two thirds to three quarters, goes into their checking account. So they can, you know, spend it, but uh, the remainder, so that about, anywhere about 25 to 30%, I, I have go automatically into a savings account. And there's rules about what, you know, we have to talk about anything that would, they want to use savings for while they do it. But, you know, you can do that even as that, like I said, the six to 10 year old age group, just explaining it. it doesn't have to be with the counts at that point. Obviously you can say, okay, all right, Bobby, here's your $10 allowance for the week. Now what we're going to do is I'm going to take two of the 10 and I'm going to put it in savings, right? I want to save up for some, you know, some of those toys you want, some of those nice, you want that video game, you want that new bike, X, Y, Z, whatever. And the rest, that $8, now you get that. And so if you can go this week and you wanted to go and buy some ice cream after, you know, after dinner if we're out or you wanted to buy some candy, some toy or something on your own, right, you can do that. But this is going to be saved, and we'll have to talk about, like, how you want to use this later. But mm-hmm. we're not going to use it now. We're going to save it so you can have more See, later, right? I've, I've always felt conflicted about allowances. I have a, a daughter. She just turned 10 yesterday. And as, as part of her 10th birthday, uh, I set up a bank account for her for the first time, wrote her a check as part of her birthday gift, and we're going to go to the bank as soon as I'm not doing this and I have time. Uh, so she can make her first deposit, and then she'll have a check register and a debit card, and she'll start learning how to how to manage that with a savings and a checking account. There you go. But we've never done an allowance, and the reason for it is I've always felt conflicted about uh, what I'm incentivizing a kid to do. Um, I feel like chores and things around the house are just a part of life, and that you just got to do them. Right? When she's an adult, she's just going to have to do them, and no one's going to pay her, pay her to do them. When she goes off to college and lives by herself – if she doesn't do her dishes and take the trash out, yeah. it's just not going to get done and no one's going to pay her to do it. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've always had this con- conflict of, you sh- do, you, do you do the money just to use it as a training piece, but are you incentivizing them that they should be paid for things that are just part of life that they need to do anyways? You're overthinking and now not, a chase. Learning, You're overthinking They're not it. learning that they just have to do stuff. That's quite possible. I do that a lot. So. Well, I know that no, there's no right answer. I gave you what I believe, in, and and but there's a lot of folks that have different feelings on that. I, I would counter to you then. Well, how is she going to get money at ten years old to experience doing things with money? Mm-hmm. I mean, if there's opportunities to 
to, to, you know, maybe you're in a neighborhood and she can go do some side chores for other folks. So there's different ways that you could do, you know, and I totally with you. When you say incentivize that, you can give me a whole another tangent about incentivizing <laughs> people's behavior. Oh, my right, gosh. Right. Well, I mean, that's what <laughs> economics is, right? It's how people make decisions. <laughs> and so that goes like quick diversion. I had a great opportunity. I, I taught at the Naval Postgraduate School at Defense Resource Management Institute. And so this is a graduate level education we teach different levels of resource management to U.S. and most, actually mostly foreign officers, and most of them at the, about the field grade level. Um, but these are from all over the world, and right? So, and so one of the things I would focus on, because, you know, at that level, and especially a lot of these folks would come from some of the, like, former Eastern Bloc, you know, European countries or smaller developing Southeast Asian countries that, so, you know, these folks that come are pretty high up in their military, and they're going to be affecting policy. And so, talking about incentivizing behavior by the policy you set, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's you do it in your household, the same level. I'm going to set a policy, a rule, right? You could do it every level, right? What is that going to do, though? What's the behavior, right? Because you're going to incentivize some behavior. Make sure you understand what behavior you're incentivizing mm-hmm. in the second and third order effects. Of, it may directly think, oh, if I'm going to do this, then she's going to do the chores because I'm going to give her money. But wait a minute. What happens if now she feels like she's entitled to right? You know, just as an example, but right, anything. Right, right. So when you say that, that that kind of brings back a lot, and that's very important. When I talk to people in in general, because really getting back to financial coaching, it's not about the numbers, and that's what will blow people away. In fact, I'll tell you, only twenty percent is about direct numbers. Eighty percent is about behavior, mm-hmm. right? Because people well, are in that, that because yeah. well, I'm just used to this. I've got to have this kind of car. I got to have the newest truck, and it's just a truck payment I'm always going to have. Right, you know, right. I said you always have to have. You don't have to, right? So changing people's behaviors, getting them to that's, st- right? That's probably yeah. the toughest one. The I math should, is the easy part. I think that's <laughs> what my parents focused on when I, when my sister and I got an allowance because we would get $10 a week, or we go to church, we'd do tithes, and then, but it's more along creating the opportunity to observe and then shape their behavior with money as well. Not necessarily an incentive to do these chores, because you could just as easily have a different incentive, some more painful than others, depending on your household. <laughs> right, but you have negative incentives. I, exactly, <laughs> positive versus Definitely. negative incentivization. Right exactly. now we get a whole other discussion. <laughs> and, and I would go buy stuff, right? You're a kid, you want this and that. And my mom, I hated it. She'd say, Avery, I don't think that was a wise purchase. And then it got to the point where I'd be in the store, I'd pick it up. He's like, Avery, I don't think that's a wise purchase. <laughs> You're so worst voice, okay. right? Like, All right, yeah. we're done here. And then I had a, made a little bit of money when I came in, right? No bills. And, and you're making a whopping $700 every two weeks, and you're rich. Yeah. And I had one more time where I lost my mind, and then I, it just sunk in. Like, I was in California buying winter coats, losing it. <laughs> And that was when it really set in, just, Avery, these are a lot of unwise purchases. And it, and from then on, I'm still like that now, definitely. So Yes, I, you, you I live very that. Spartan. I'm really specific. I just, I'll think very hard about something I'm going to get and make sure I have absolute use for it. And then I'll get it and, and stick with it until mm-hmm. I need to replace it. But definitely, I, I can understand how, Sometimes overthinking how it's going to be perceived or what it's going to shape as opposed to focusing on maybe just using this as a tool to shape a certain aspect and then maybe figuring out another way. Because I've thought about that, too. I haven't helped make any kids yet. But I've thought about, like, well, you know, maybe I want to teach them about how to recognize as an entrepreneur so what needs to be done in the household Mom hates to do this. Dad hates to do that. They're busy. I've noticed the lawn needs to be cut every week or the dishes or the trash. And then now I'm incentivizing them to be proactive and recognize how to solve problems or shortcomings in the household. But I'm about a decade away from being able to have that discussion with anybody. So I'll just keep <laughs> hey, it you're well prepared. You're, you're, you're well prepared, Avery. You're only ever more than like nine months away, Avery. Yeah, reality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, well, that's true. I just don't know how well the baby's going to comprehend it. So we'll <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, you bring up some great points about right, you learning it at home, right? Mm-hmm. And that's important, right? It's taught, right, in that at-home environment. Um, my wife and I are the same way, very, you know, disciplined, very frugal with money, 
for different reasons, but right, it starts at home, right? So I think it's real important to start, you know, that education. You know, as they get older, teens, right? You know, then they then they could have the checking account, the debit card, right, and so they can use to that, understand, and make sure they're using their checkbook register, right, the old school register, mm-hmm. as they use a debit card at Walmart to buy some candy. They got to come make sure they do that, and they know. So when we check online, what's your balance? All right, is that matching? Why not? Oh, you forgot. You need to make sure because you can't overdrive, right? And explaining, like, what happens if you go over, right? There's fees. The bank is going to charge you $25 if you if you go below, you know, and have to basically take a loan from them. If you mm-hmm. take out more than you have, that's a lot of money, especially if you only go a dollar over, right? And now they're going to charge you 25 mm-hmm. I mean, do you, you know, how – so understanding these basic concepts you can right. do with and, – and, you know, teaching, you know – so you'd mentioned a few minutes ago that uh, you had a, a difficulty with getting your business going that you wanted to talk about. And I think you were leading into um, maybe something that had to do with uh, marketing or prospecting. I wasn't quite sure where it went because we, we kind of rabbit hole a little bit here and there. Let's let's revisit that for a minute. Yeah, no, uh, exactly. So uh, what I was mentioning is, is kind of using a different analogy of like a home inspector or a home appraiser. Right? Mm-hmm. Those are jobs that there's there is a need. People have to do it. So it's not a choice. Mm-hmm. It's there. So you already know that there's business there. You know, if you want to get into that, people will need it. It's just a matter of you getting a piece of the pie, mm-hmm. right? So being a financial coach it is in a new space, being that I'm not actually taking your money to invest. I'm just coaching you, right? I'm like like your football or basketball coach, right? I, I can't get in the game and throw the pass for you or shoot the three-pointer, I'm there beforehand, uh, co- giving you practice skills, right? Going over, teaching you the techniques. So, is, is is the difficulty that people don't know? So that, it's not that a the service is there, or that they don't know that they need it. Um, I mean, most things in life are not requirements, you know, and that's just the nature of business. Is is it's it's influencing people to to yeah. want to give you money for whatever it is that you do. Exactly. And that that is the challenge because and more so I say because it's it's a newer space that people again what influences is they're really not aware. Oh, a financial coach like you didn't know you thought I was like an advisor. Mm-hmm. Like 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 no, I don't actually, you know, take your money and invest it or sell you insurance product. I'm not the one doing that. I don't give specific finance recommendations. I I give you in general recommendations in, in specific overall for your situation, but not like specific investment advice. That would be a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it, it's because people don't necessarily, they don't need. So it's not only getting people to understand the need that's there, but because it's not our automatically something that folks know, oh, I need, oh, I need to go do this if I want this. I need so to get you, a, appraisal if I want to buy a home. How do you paint the picture? Uh, so that to, is the challenge, yeah. To make it a need, right? I right, think, yep. I think it's like, it's just like uh, financial fitness is probably similar to, to physical fitness. Yeah. Right? Like, it, hey, you, you got to Do practice. you enjoy how you look and feel right now, or would you rather look and feel like this guy on this poster? Well, mm-hmm. come to the gym, start taking my personal training classes, right? Yeah. Like, are you happy? The amount of debt you have, the amount you have saved, what your retirement's going to look like. If not, we should pay, probably have a conversation, right? It's painting, exactly. painting that picture yep. of, you know, you're, you're the fat guy now, but you could be the guy with a six-pack if we work together. Exactly. But in a financial aspect. And, and that's what it is, exactly. You just talk like being a personal trainer, right? That's your, your fitness coach by doing that, right? Mm-hmm. You, just, you just gave a spiel right there. It's the same thing with it's just your your fiscal fitness, right? Your you financial that, that fitness. People are just not, not – more receptive to the idea because finances are touchy. Like people don't always want to open up about their their personal finances. So that yeah, that is a part of it. A lot of it again is just the initial awareness. So you're know, familiar with sales model, right? And initially you you want to you kind of got to get people aware of the product. So mm-hmm. go back to recruiting command and understanding, right? When we're recruiting Marines, right? We all went through it, right? You may or may not have known about the Marine Corps what it was, right? But first is that awareness of what is the Marine Corps? Like mm-hmm. you may have heard of the Marine Corps when you were a teenager, but did you know? I don't know. Or maybe you you really did because you had a dad that was a Marine, right? I mean, there's different levels of awareness about the product, in that mm-hmm. case, the Marine Corps. And then first you have to know about it, and then what can it do for you, right? Why should you then go in the Marine Corps, right? But first got to understand what it is, right? So it's the same thing. It's financial coaching. What is it? And, you know, what I do, and then what can it do for you? Why do you need it? So you'd ask for suggestions. So, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer one. Instead of focusing 
on the product, focus on the customer problem and, and their journey of solving the problem. And there's a really cool book. You might have read it already. I'm not sure. Um, there's a really cool book that, that helps with this. Um, it's called Story Brand. Right now, I don't think I have. So basically what, what uh, the author of this book did, and it's a whole thing now. You can be certified in Story Brand and all this stuff and use it as uh, a tool. You know what? But I but think – what's the guy's name? I can't remember offhand. I think actually in – he actually teaches in part of Ramsey's coach training about he, he telling might. the story. So basically what yeah. he does, he takes a hero's journey, yeah. right, and explains how the hero's journey works in every epic ever, right? Like there's a certain – there's certain characters that yep. are Exactly. There's the, the story. hero. There's the guide. There's the antagonist. Yep. There's the inner uh, antagonist. There's the external antagonist. And both have to be overcome on this journey to, you know, winning the day, whatever that looks yep. like, right? And as a business – his his take is you're the guide, you're not the hero. Exactly. You're the guide. Yeah, it's so the same have, guy. I'm pretty sure. This, right? this person that's got you know this uh, this problem. Their problem is their debt. The problem yep. is their lack of a retirement savings. Their problem is their lack of an emergency fund. The problem is their just lack of freedom in general because of how they manage their life up to this point. You're the guide that helps them defeat their own demons through that journey. And I think that's a. An, this is like a prime business to use that model because instead no, of, right. instead of yeah. selling financial coaching, you're selling all the intangibles that come with managing their finances the right way, but making them the hero of their own story, just giving them the tools to conquer their own demons, so to speak. Exactly. And that's kind of going back to what I mentioned, it's 80% behavior, right? In, yeah. In, in the psychology of it. Of getting in there, yeah, you're exactly. You need right. a financial I mean, lava monster. Somebody <laughs> this late. Nice. So it, it is. It's talking. What it is, and that's that is. It's <laughs> just getting out it. and talking to folks about right yeah. what I do and how it can help them. Right, and and, and you're spot on with right. You know, I don't want to be. I'm not going to be the hero. So I'm not the guy telling you exactly what to do. I'm trying to get you to see this, educate you. Someone, well, this here's some things to do. Like yeah. here's some recommendations, and, and kind of empower. Now, I, I appreciate you to do that. bringing that up because I, th- I think that's a huge part of you know a show like this is is people listen and uh, it, people have a tendency to always want to talk about their successes and what they've done right and what's come easy and, and that sort of thing and they don't always want to bring up the struggles and the hard part. Yeah, yeah but yeah. that's where that's where we all learn and grow. Exactly, and that's where we f- we find solutions too is by talking about it. We bring things up. You know, I might have an idea. Avery might have an idea. We might have somebody listening that's dealing with the exact same thing like hey how do i connect with people in a meaningful way that lets them know that that what i have to offer is useful yeah and our previous guest uh he's a coach as well and in a different space he's doing uh more personal growth and uh executive coaching um but still a lot of people they don't even want to acknowledge the fact that maybe they would benefit from a coach they think they've got it all together yeah so no, he's right these, exactly. you know, very ego. similar barriers yep. that he has to try to penetrate in order to uh, be able to provide the service that, that he knows is valuable. Yeah. So oh, yeah. I appreciate you being willing to air that and kind of talk about it a little bit. I think I think everybody benefits from hearing that sort of thing. No, yeah, it is. And it, it's harder, especially the financial, because, you know, you, I, I have that challenge of I'm a numbers guy by default, right? I, I'm right. good at that. I, I get all of that, and, and I have to make sure I don't push too much of that, right, or lead with that talking to folks, right, getting to know, because – all this really has to, I got to get to know your situation, right? I, I got to know you. And, your mindset. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. what do you think and why, where, you know, not only understanding your current financial situation, but, you know, why you're there. What do you want to do? Where are you looking to do? I mean, mm-hmm. what are you, you're working, you got your own business, you're working for corporate America. You know, what, where do you want to go, your goals, right? All this. And with that, right, all those qualitative, not quantitative, but qualitative subjective things, then, right, then I, then I can fill in with, a lot of the background and the, yeah. the, the quantitative, the numbers, and looking at okay, now I understand that we can kind of drive the that, that drive you toward that, and let's look. And then a lot of them are some some basic things like let's let's look yeah. at paying down your debt, right? Let's look at getting the emergency savings account set up, right? So kind of guiding them and but, that, you know the personal touches, I think, so important, right? Because everybody's different. You might be able to tell Avery, hey, Avery. Uh, you want to get where you're going, you're going to live a Spartan lifestyle. You're not going to spend money on all these things. And Avery's going to go, okay, okay. no flooring it I is. I don't. I don't care. I sleep in a chair anyways. Right, yeah. Avery? You, I t- you might tell started s- sleeping in a bed. Because okay. your, yeah. your girlfriend made you. 
And I owned it already. Otherwise, I wouldn't have bought it. <laughs> but other way. people, if you tell them they've got to skip their morning Starbucks. Oh, yeah, they're going to freak out. They're going to say that's non-negotiable. I will skip toilet paper before I skip Starbucks, right? Like you've got people out there where certain things are not coming off the menu. Yeah. And if you don't get to know them at a personal level, you yeah, can't you're going to go for the obvious, right? You can't go, oh, yeah, you cut advice, back here, right? you do this, and Why? they'll be like, wait a minute. Yeah, but that Starbucks might be such a critical aspect yeah. to how they start their day. It might be a morning ritual routine that allows them to just get their mind right for their day. And it and taking that from them could have so many other adverse yeah. consequences, like we exactly, talked about. Exactly, right? You wouldn't know it if you didn't if you yeah. didn't know them first. Because it's so not just a cup of coffee to them. Yeah, right. There's experience there. All kinds of things for them. Exactly. So yeah, understanding that because then that's like okay, instead of intuitively initially thinking, oh yeah, we can cut back here. We'll start with the Starbucks, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need that every day. Ah, maybe not, right? Well, (laughs) then we have to look somewhere else, right? So um, if you're in a position where we need to reduce some expenses, right? You got a lot of debt. How can we? Right. 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 So you're looking at that. Gets into a a big thing too that folks, you know, always mix is the want versus need. And Avery, you were really good about well, talking about my, my that, and, and yeah, your mom telling you, I, "You really need that, Avery, right?" Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, no, that's I, uh, cool. I well, have a, I go. have a quick question, if we have time. Yep, we 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 got a few minutes yet. So, since hearing that initial statement, buy term and invest the difference. You've ha- you've had a lot more experience in managing money and assisting others in doing it. What are your thoughts on that statement now after that experience? Yeah, it's it's interesting because I still wholeheartedly believe in that. I mean, it's it's kind of a basic, and I kind of mentioned it. It it goes back to you know not not combining your insurance, your life insurance, with an investment vehicle, and, and that's what a universal whole life and general policies do. There's a lot of variations. I'm not going to get into details, but um, you know, and, and so for years, that's kind of what people would do. They just didn't know, you know, insurance salesman, they would sell this. Oh, and you got money, you have cash value, right? You just, you could save this, you have money for retirement. And then, you know, as the economy, you know, mutual funds kind of became more prevalent starting 70s, 80s, and the 90s that it, you know, you had advisors, uh, folks that like, oh, wait a minute, now we can offer lower costs into getting into a stock mutual fund, right, to invest in so you can diversify um, and lower your costs, your expenses, and so why buy that? Buy a term policy, um, which will cost you a lot less. And we don't have time to get into the, the specifics, but you know that way you could take the money you're saving. So just three of that theoretical thought, instead of paying 250 a month for a universal policy that has some investment portion in it, right, with the life insurance, I can get the same amount of life insurance for $50 a month. So that other 200 now I can take and put into that stock mutual fund every month, right? Mm-hmm. And, and in general, what it means is you're paying less expenses, less commission. Um, so you're getting more money working for you. Your money, more of your money is going into being invested and into getting a good return long term. A lot of peculiar, a lot of specifics in that. But that's in general. And, and today in general, there's certain situations, like everything I always tell folks, it depends. Mm-hmm. Because you've got to know their situation. You can't just say a blanket statement, what's better, this or this? Well, it depends. What are you looking to do? Let's look at your situation. Because in general, certain certain things are better than others in general, right? But it doesn't mean it's for everyone, right? So right. always always got a caveat. I hate to say that with almost everything you say. But that, again, more reason. <laughs> There's always an exception, right? right that you need yeah. to have that personal discussion and, and be able to get that advice personally, right? Not just go and I read and I hear on CNBC, you know, that, oh, this is the stock to buy. Okay. Well, you know, the crazy loud guy on CNBC said I should buy this stock, right? Yeah, right. You know, why? What? Which, what are you trying to do? Why do you want to buy the stock? What, what's your long-term investment? All those things. So, um, But in general, Avery, yeah, it, okay. it's still on a basic level. Yes. Good to know. Yep. Well, we are coming up on our time, so I've got a couple more things to ask you. Sure. What's a, what's a main takeaway you'd like to leave with our listeners today? And it can be related to your time in the Marine Corps, your transition, money management, whatever you want. So I'm going to do something I haven't talked about. There's a lot of things. I did mention a couple other things, but... I didn't know if we were going to talk about, but I, I think to help people overall, one thing, so as a leader, I'd always tell my folks and always try to be this. You want to set the example, but that, sh- that you see that no more than in being a servant leader. And so I'd leave that, strive to be a servant leader in whatever situation capacity you're in, right? I mean, it, it could be 
lead yourself first, right? You've got to be able to take care of yourself before you can take care of others. So, right, do the things. But in general, you're, you'll be in charge of nothing else, right? You've got to, if you're a family and if you're the head of the family, right, you, you've got to take care of your family. You've got to lead, be a servant, lead a heart. Uh, of leadership to where you're looking out for their best interest. So if you were at work, your Marine, your team, your organization, I mean, you could be the commanding general, 15,000 Marines, second Marine division, um, right? Empowering your team, your subordinate leaders uh, to be able to execute and, and to give them the tools and resources to do that. And it's what, or your fire team leader and you got three guys, right? Same kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Empower them, give everything. It's not about you. you got to humble. And that, that's a challenge in the Marine Corps as Marines to humble, right? Because mm-hmm. we're always so competitive, right? And so many things, especially early on in your careers, listed officer, right? You're competing, right? And you've got to be the top guy, right? Because, you know, you need the top scores to get promoted, right? Or get the best fitness report. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to then shift back as you get up to, okay, now I need to be more servant-focused on my guys. It's not about me. Because in reality, if you do, if, I, if you're my team and I'm giving you all the resources you need, Chase and Avery, and you're out there and you're succeeding – I'm focused on you and doing it. Well, if you're my team and you're succeeding, what's happening to our team? It's succeeding. Mm-hmm. I'm nowhere am I looking at trying to do things myself. I'm making sure you guys who are actually doing the work, getting out there and giving everything so you can do it and be successful mm-hmm. because then we're successful. It's not about me looking better than you. I'm the boss. I need to look good. right? right. So no. It's that, so that thing. So if you're not familiar with servant leadership, I, I recommend people go look that up. Study that. One thing, servant leadership. You can apply that across everything you do in, in your life. And if you do that, I th- if everybody did that, the world would be a, a heck of a better place. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better. The last thing I'm going to ask is, uh, do you have any book recommendations for us? So you mentioned that earlier when I walked in about book recommendation. I'm thinking, there's a lot of this or that. and I'm, But this one, unlike this, where we're talking about in general leadership, this one I'm going to bring back to finance. And, and this one, because this is applicable to everybody. Right again, talking about financial coaching, and if I could recommend one, and I, I get nothing for this. This is this is just me and my personal experience. What I found over the years, the best. If there's one, I will give you the magazine subscription again. And it's Kiplinger's Personal Finance. I, I would tell you just that's just me, and I get nothing for saying that to you know at all. I, I've literally, I think I've tried to make it continuous for over 30 years of having, about 30 years, ever since I went to that seminar mm-hmm. and got into and learned about and found this, you know, that if you're talking about personal finance in general, all those topics of the debt and loans and saving and investments and insurance, right, estate planning, all these things for your family's finances, that, that would be the one. Oh. Get that. That's a $20 is, a year subscription. Is this yes. an online one you can do? Yeah, they, they yeah. have online and the old hard copy okay. print cool. mag. Um, Very cool. I, I would recommend that. So Love it, man. Great. That's, uh, that's, I think, the first magazine recommendation we've had, so great. That is cool. Yeah. That is cool. Excellent. Make it easy. Sounds like it's going to be uh, a big hit, too. Valuable. I've never even heard of it. I, I definitely. you got to take a look. Grab one, take a read, see what you like, then I know you'll get a subscription. Well, I've got to say that this uh, has been super informative. Uh, an hour has flown by. And it doesn't even seem like it. I know. It's not like, wow. Money Coach Z uh, is just catchy. It sounds good. No, I appreciate I, that. I, yeah, think, nice. uh, I think you're going to go places. Um, I just I, I see your, your logo and the bright orange, and I see that over like a storefront, you know, like a physical location, Money Coach Z, and people bringing their kids in for classes and stuff. I don't, I don't know why, but that's just what I see in the future is this brick-and-mortar thing, and maybe I'm all over the country or something with people well, bringing their, yeah, you never their, know. their preteens and their teens in to, to learn all those things you were talking about so that they're not trying to make up that lost ground in their 30s or 40s or 50s. Yeah, they're, they're starting exactly. out on the right foot. So I think you got a lot of exciting things in the works. I'm very excited for you. Appreciate you coming on the show. Um, this was great. I think there's a lot of value here. And uh, hopefully we'll see you next week at the uh, VBC. Maybe. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'll be there. Uh, try to bring someone. Again, I think it's great uh, for you, Chase. Great uh, organization, Veterans Business Collective, and what you do. So a shout out. Appreciate that for the veteran community and, and getting folks out and involved and even your push to get families there and, and, and really make the, the human connections with folks. Cause that's, that's where it's at, that human connection. So cool. Thank you. Thank, thank you for all that. And again, just real quick, uh, moneycoachz.com. I do free 30 minute consultations there. You can schedule it right there on there. You can get on my calendar and find a time that's convenient for you. And we'll talk and see if, see if I can help you. Good fit. I, I'd love to be able to help as many folks as I can. Do you have an email address, phone number? Yeah, exactly. So uh, jcz 
my initials, J, C, and Z, at moneycoachz.com, real easy. And uh, phone 910-537. And it just happened to be available the last four. Marines might get that as an MOS 5811. Just happened to be a... And then I did notice that you have, uh, you, you put out quite a bit of content on LinkedIn. Uh, do you have a blog or anything else that people should be looking for? So on my website, on moneycoachz.com, I've got a blog on there, which I try to get every week or two. Uh, some good information. Actually, I just yesterday posted a schedule for this year. I kind of want to focus, give a theme to every month of okay. what I want to talk about. You know, what part of personal financial planning and, Is and there so an email list they can sign up for as well. No, I haven't gotten that far. Okay. I'm I'm still just doing, doing the basics. Still, yeah. um, so got that up. And again, trying to do relevant posts with LinkedIn, and I've, I've got a Facebook page too. But really, I, I push everybody to Money Coach Z. Really want to do that free thirty minute consultation and see if I can help you. That's that's the focus, and go from there. Awesome. Any final thoughts, Avery? I'll have to save it for next time. Sounds good. I have a rabbit hole question. (laughs) And and I'm hoping he'll be back again in 12 months to tell me how many of these uh, brick and mortars he's got opened up. That's a a long-term one there. That's a 10-year plan there, Chase. Yeah, no, we're still doing this in 10 years, then (laughs) we'll have you back. (laughs) Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, Chase. Yeah. Avery. Cool. That's a wrap. (laughs) FOLA Capital helps small businesses raise capital using one of the several programs authorized under the 2012 Jobs Act. They are especially passionate about helping to raise capital for veteran-owned, women, and minority-owned small businesses across the country. Be sure and check them out at folacapital.com.